Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lurkana podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hymas, and today is Thursday, December 29th, 2022. It's been 119 days since the end of D23, uh, where Lurkana was first announced. And today, I have some exciting news. I finally, finally have a co-host, and I am excited for you all to meet him. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome, and today is a special day. Today is the day I, I introduce my co-host. That's right, the search is over, and joining me on today's podcast is none other than James Riley, or as we like to call him in the Discord, Dan Regal. Hey James, how's it going? Hey there, Jared, how you doing? I am, uh, I'm actually really good. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm excited. We've chatted a little bit in uh, private messages talking about getting this set up and we've talked a little bit on the phone and I'm uh, excited to actually make this happen. Yeah, me too. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm just like, I was itching to talk about Gorkana. <laughs> so this is great. I, I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you agreed to let me uh, come on here and see how it goes. Absolutely. And I mean, that's kind of how we met. That's what I first wanted to talk about was we were both on the Lorcana HQ Discord server. And for people who listen to this in the backlog and people who join this game after it releases, they don't understand what the time was like between the time it was announced and November, December. There was a long dry spell where there was just a whole lot of nothing. And there's just a handful of us that were there every single day. And so I can't say there's any one thing that you said or did or posted, but you were just there every day uh, furthering that conversation. And when I look back on that time, I'm like, man, these people, it's it's like we went through a war together. And I look at you as like a band of brothers and sisters here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when when uh when I when I first found out about the Discord, I didn't join it until after D23. Uh and I because I just wanted to keep talking about Lorcana. Uh and I was like just devouring any content I could find. I was on the the Reddit and I joined the Discord and I started listening to some podcasts, which I started listening to yours. And I and uh when I was listening to you talk about like your Disney story, and I'm like, man, this sounds a lot like me, just like slightly different t- time frame, but pretty much just like me. So um i'm like and then you mentioned that and you're like maybe i should look for a co-host and i'm like maybe i should ask if he wants me to be a co-host and then i slept on it for like how long is this, this is the first one like a month and a half two months or something like that and yeah like, I, finally, I finally like okay i'll i'll finally ask and see if he's interested because you hadn't gotten a co-host yet so i was like okay maybe he's no longer looking so that's why i was like hesitant to ask because it had gone long enough where i'm like does he really still want a co-host but then you're like let's go let's give it a shot yeah, you know, I was in this weird spot where I was really trying to figure out my identity. I wanted to do like long form podcasts, but then I was like, maybe I should do short form. And then I was like, maybe I should do news. Maybe I should do this. So I really just had to figure out what I wanted to do. And I think that this is something that we'll talk about later. But one of the things that uh, resonated with me that you said when we talked about this is you're like, I'm new to card playing games. And that's something I'd mentioned in one of my podcasts is that I'm new too. And I thought, how fun would this journey be to have the both of us who are relatively new to card games uh, on this journey together? Like I envision once the game's out, us coming back and talking about our tournament reports and the stupid things that we've done <laughs> or the crazy decks. 
the uh, the deck the, the dumb decks we've built and how they failed miserably and uh the fun we had doing it uh but yeah the the journey i think is going to be really fun as we find out more about the game as we find about gameplay and just as talking about all of the different news and, and the art and all that different stuff you know all in one as it builds to when the game is finally out and we can play it which is going to be awesome absolutely and so today, I kind of just wanted to shine the spotlight on you a little bit. And to start with, I wanted to talk about a few things about your uh, backstory that kind of stuck out to me. Um, one of the things when we were first talking is you said that you actually host a podcast and you've done so for, I think, over a decade now about San Diego Comic-Con, which in our world, the TCG world, that's something that a lot of us have interest in. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Okay, so I started going to San Diego Comic-Con in 1994, and I haven't missed a year since. Uh, so uh, in around 2011, uh, someone had started a blog called SDCC Blog. It was the San Diego Comic-Con unofficial blog. And uh, one of the guys who uh, came in after the guy founded it, another guy came in and he's like, hey, I want to start writing stuff. And then he asked me to write a few things. And then in 2011, he's like, hey, I want to start a podcast. You want to come in and, and you know, be the co-host with me and, and just come on and talk since you've been for so many years. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? And that started in 2011 as the SD Concast. And uh, we've been doing it every season leading up to Comic-Con since. And it's been through, you know, different people. And uh, basically, I've been like the only one who's been there since 2011. So uh, it's been fun. So now I'm basically the co-host uh, with the blog owner, Carrie. And every year we do a few podcasts besides just Comic-Con theme, like we do WonderCon, which is owned by Comic-Con. And, but, you know, for the 10 weeks leading up to Con, we do a live weekly YouTube slash podcast show where we talk about all the news for the week. We interview special guests and it's just, it's a great time. And we just get to share our knowledge and uh, help attendees manage San Diego Comic-Con, which uh, is, as you say, like most people say, it's like nerd Mecca and it's like where everybody wants to go and tickets are impossible to get. And we just help people manage it and figure out ways to where they can get done what they want to get done because it is such a beast that you just, you can't just go and, and do it. You have to like plan. You, planning is like the number one thing people do for Comic-Con. Amen. I mean, I think planning allows you to maximize your time there so you've been doing this for 11 years number one you do a live show which i cannot imagine doing that would be so scary but over those it 11 is. years i'm just curious to know what is like a highlight well um there's been many but i think for the, the for the podcast i think one of the highlights is we've actually had uh, i guess you could call him a disney prince uh zachary levi Oh We've had gosh. him on the podcast a couple of times, uh, and once was during the pandemic, uh, the first year where Comic-Con was canceled, we decided to do on the Saturday that would have been Comic-Con, we did a three-hour live show with eight different guests who all came on in sequence, and it all worked, which was amazing. Wow. And Zachary Levi was, uh, I think he was our lead guest, and he came on, and he was at home in Austin, he was using his phone just and just having a good time and telling telling stories and uh he got disconnected partway through because it was only supposed to be like a 15 minute segment but he got disconnected about 10 minutes in 
and we're like, or it was like near the time and, and the next person had called in and it was Yvette Nicole Brown. And uh, she came on and then Zach called back in and they just were like, they talked with each other for like five minutes and we're going off. And then he's like, wow. all right, I'll, I'll see you. So it was just this really great moment and everything worked and he was awesome. And Yvette Nicole Brown was awesome. And just the whole thing of, you know, doing a three, I think it ended up being a little over three hours of a podcast live sitting here in this chair. Uh, and it was just amazing because it all worked. And uh, it was just like, it was just awesome. It was just an awesome time. And Zachary Levi kicked it off with just as a great guest. And he's a Disney, he's Disney, like, you know, royalty almost. So it was great having him on. He's such a charismatic individual. I bet that was an amazing podcast. And what a way to help people during COVID. Yeah, it was it was great. And we did that again the next year and we did the same thing and we did them during WonderCon. It was it was definitely a lot of work. But and, and it, as you say, doing it live is, is a bit stressful seeing, you know, up in the corner, you can see the number of viewers and anything over <laughs> like three. And I'm like, I don't even want to know how many is what are watching right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So that's an awesome thing that you've done. Um, the, the second thing I wanted to shine a light on your past was uh, your Disney journey. You alluded to this when we were talking a little bit earlier. You're like, man, I was listening to my uh, Disney journey and that's kind of how yours went as well. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I'm, I was in the same situation where we didn't have a lot of money growing up, but we, we managed to get down to our local duplex to see movies and Disney movies, of course, were the number one thing to go see uh, when I was younger. So, you know, I remember seeing Pete's dragon and the Aristocats in the theaters, and even 101 Dalmatians on one of its re-releases. And uh, one of the, you know, getting into the live action, one of the first movies I remember, even though it's apparently, I've watched it uh, again about a decade ago, and it's not that great of a movie, but Condor Man. Uh, yeah, what is it, Condor Man? I saw that uh, in the notes, was, and I've never heard of it. it. It's a Disney movie. They wanted to get in on the spy game, uh, because James Bond and all that was really big in the late 70s, early 80s. And they made this and, and they made this one where this comic book writer artist decided to he's like his his roommate was a CIA guy and he wanted him just to deliver a letter to because he was visiting another country. And so he went to deliver the letter and end up in this whole thing where it was this big adventure and he be, got to become the Condor Man, which was his comic character that the CIA built him all of this stuff. And oh it was just it was just it was like. <laughs> I mean, it was you expected Disney crazy and it was, it's not a great movie, but as a, you know, as a 10 year old oh, yeah. kid, it was amazing. And I just remember that from, from, you know, when I was a child of just how, how cool that was, you know, the guy was like, you know, being able to just like have a laser gun and a super fast car and a winged suit. And just like, it was like, it was pretty crazy. Um, but I just remember all that. And then Sunday nights, a uh, wonderful world of Disney when Michael Eisner was hosting it. I remember watching that every week and just catching up on all the old Disney movies and cartoons and shows. And I mean, just, you know, from, you know, when I can remember, I've been watching Disney stuff and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tron is, uh, I remember seeing that in theaters and that's my, one of my dad's favorite movies. He even has like a, an actual like movie poster for, you know, double-sided movie poster from back in the day. Um, oh, uh, one thing uh, we actually did since we lived in San Diego for most of my life, we actually did manage to go to Disneyland somewhat, you know, a few times, not often, but, you know, every few years. And I remember one 
one weekend uh, in the morning, my parents got me and my two brothers, we got us up super early. And they're like, we're going to take you to breakfast. And we're like, ugh, it's like 6am. Why are you waking up at this waking us up this early for breakfast? And they're like, don't worry about it. So they, they tossed us in the back of the van. They're like, just, you know, get dressed and then you can nap if you want. We'll, we'll be there in a few. And just so we're driving, we're playing in the back of the van, not paying attention. Cause you know, I'm like six or seven years old. My brother's a year and a half older and my younger brother's two years younger. And we're just yeah. playing. doesn't matter, you know? And, but you know, after a while we're like, Hey, why aren't we there yet? And they're like, we're almost there. Don't worry. And they, they, they stop. They open the door to let us out of the van and we're in the Disneyland parking lot. And it was just like, what? They basically <laughs> just awesome. tricked us. And we ended up at Disneyland and had an awesome Disney day. And that was back when they had, you know, the tickets. So we like E ticket, D ticket oh, yeah. ride stuff. So, I mean, we just had an amazing day at Disneyland that we didn't even know we were going to have. So did you do like a character breakfast or they just used the breakfast as a ruse? They were just using breakfast as a ruse to get us into the, into the van to go on a trip. It's like, oh, you know, we're taking cool. you to a fancy, you know, a nice breakfast. So, and then, you know, and then of course, years later, many years later, I hadn't been to Disneyland except for one or two times since like grad night when I was in high school. And uh, so in uh, around 2010, uh, when I was uh, dating, uh, who would become my wife, we got uh, annual passes. Um, and we basically became a Disneyland pass holders, even though we lived in San Diego at the time, since 2010, up until just this year, uh, when we let them expire. Uh, basically, you know, just it's t- it was time, you know, uh, there's it's yeah. just gotten really expensive. And, you know, we'll go again, someday. But, uh, you know, I went again for my birthday and it was, it was still, you know, it's Disneyland. I mean, over the 10 years we've had our 12 years, we had our passes, you know, every once in a while you would walk into Disneyland and you would, if, if, as a pass holder, you go often. And especially when you live six miles away, like I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and you would just stop sometimes and you're like 12 year old me is like cr- going crazy inside, you know, because I can go into Disneyland whenever I want now. And I can look around and I can go on rides. And it was just, it's just been amazing. It was amazing being able to walk into Disneyland whenever I wanted. It's every kid's dream. I remember having that dream as a kid. I always said, I'm going to retire in Los Angeles so I can just go to Disneyland every day. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, it's, I would too, if I could, I mean, it's, you know, we'd go there and we wouldn't even really, we would go and have dinner and then go walk around and go through the shops and just see, you know, and go meet some characters every once in a while and just do stuff because it, it's Disneyland. I mean, what it's just amazing to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I've been to Walt Disney World, and I feel like that's the fulfillment of Walt's vision and his dream. But Disneyland, I feel like you can still feel his presence, like his touch is there. And that's why I love going to Disneyland. Yeah, I've actually never been to Disney World because I've never made it over to that side of the country on a vacation to be able to do that but that's that's on the bucket list you know that's one of the things we're going to have do. to absolutely so awesome. and then as far as you know being the comic-con guy i also started going to d23 in 2015 and just seeing all the presentations they do there which is why of course i was at d23 for this year and <laughs> found out about lorcana <laughs> yes we're going to talk about that because i want to get your perspective on what happened there but we'll circle back to that in a minute if that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. But speaking of card games, um, I kind of alluded to this earlier as well, the fact that you and I 
don't really have a lot of card game experience. I played the Decipher game a bit when I was younger, the Decipher Star Wars game, and I played Hearthstone for a bit. And then I'd been playing the My Hero Academia for about three months before Lorcana was announced. But that's it. So what is your experience with uh, trading card games? Well, I am not a veteran player at all. Uh, I actually did own with my brother a comic shop in the late 90s. And we sold magic when, you know, I remember selling uh, Homelands and Ice Age uh, boosters. And uh, we had Overpower and, of course, the Star Wars and Star Trek Decipher games. Uh, Babylon 5, uh, Dune came out with a game at the time. We had a bunch of different collectible card games. Um, and I would play, uh, like, Babylon 5 and Overpower, I think, were my favorite ones. So we played those with a couple of customers. And my brother would play, me and him would play. Um, but we never had any organized events. Uh, we would just play when we felt like it, build decks and that kind of thing. Um, and I actually haven't really played any trading card games since, uh, except I just started playing Marvel Snap on on the mobile game recently, and that's that's been it. Uh, I mean, I Are play you addicted to it. Games. Oh yeah, of course. It's very addictive. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, I play card games, but not trading card games. So like I Marvel Legendary. Um, you can't see it because, you know, this is this is audio, but, you know, over here on my desk here, I have this stack of Marvel Legendary boxes of all the expansions sitting here next to me that I just like stack them because it's fun to just have them sitting here on my desk stacked up. Um, it's and funny I, that you should say that because over here, I just bought four expansion packs to Villainous and they're sitting on my table waiting to go upstairs. I, yes, uh, we actually have all of those already. Um and we actually, over the over Christmas break, uh, or over Christmas, the vacation, we went to um, Arizona to visit my wife's uh, grandmother and um, played Villainous with uh, her, her brothers. Um, and uh, my wife won as Darth Vader and uh, dominated everybody. That's awesome. I haven't played the Star Wars version yet. Is Darth Vader pretty, is he a good one to play with? I, I think so. Um, I played as Asajj Ventress, and uh, she's difficult. <laughs> wow, they're digging like, deep in there, huh? like, Yeah, it's, it's, you can play as Grievous or um, Kylo Ren, Vader, Asajj Ventress, and um, I'm trying to think of with the fourth. Oh, um, Moff Gideon. Oh, nice. That is a good cast. So it, it's, yeah, and and of course, you know, with villainous, it's like all they all have different missions or goals or win win conditions. So it's it's fun trying to mess with your opponent while also trying to get yours done. And the problem <laughs> is that no one messed with Darth Vader enough, and so oh, she, uh, yeah, okay, like, oh, I see. Let's, let's fight each <laughs> other, and then all of a sudden, my wife's just in there with like, I win. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Okay. That's, that's oh. it for trading card games for me. That's, I mean, that's it. And this goes back to what we were talking about. Uh, the idea behind this podcast is we're a couple of newbies, so to speak. And we just want to share our journey because I have a feeling that with Lorcana, there's going to be a lot of new players, a lot of people new to TCG playing period. And Sometimes you hop into these podcasts or YouTube videos and they're amazing. I watch every single one of them because I apparently have no life and everybody does such an amazing job, but I feel like there's going to be people out there who are just like us that uh, I'm hoping this will be a soft landing spot for them uh, to, to go on this journey with us. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to a bunch of those too. And you know, all of the people that are veterans are, are using 
the the TCG terms, the the dictionary that you have to get. Yeah, and I'm like, I I need I need I was I was very happy a few of them did like, what do these things mean? Kind of early in the process, and I'm like, thank you for telling me because I knew I could figure out like 25% of them, you know, and then through context you could figure out some of them, but then like a few of them you're like, okay, you have to explain that to me. <laughs> even still in the chat, even though I'm in there all the time, somebody will occasionally say something in there and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. I still, I mean, the discussion today about like standard versus uh, rotating versus eternal. I'm like, I think I know what those mean, but I'd have to go look it up again to refresh my memory because I just don't have that, you know, ingrained in me of what they are as, as a non TCG type person. And all the TCG veterans listening right now are going crazy. Like this is what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about the current state of Lorcana. Today is December 29th, 2022. Uh, For those who are listening in the backlog or those who join the game after the fact, um, what you're going to hear next may not apply, but we're talking about the, the state of the game right now. And we have to go back to the beginning. The first I remember learning about Lorcana was back in August. Ryan Miller did an interview with Dicebreaker and Philip Frankie, the CEO of Robinsberger North America, did an interview with Polygon. And those were kind of the two articles that kicked it off. But then they said, hey, at D23, we're going to talk more about the game. And I remember what it was like in the Discord. There was such a buzz in the Discord that at D23, we even had it pinned down. Like when you looked at the schedule, there's a Marvel Disney Star Wars game symposium or presentation where like, that's where they're going to talk about it. Um, They didn't talk about it. So that was a letdown. But you were there. What was it like on the ground level for you? Well, uh same as you, I heard about it in advance, but that's because I was in D23 prep mode, which I had learned prep mode from Comic-Con, and I was scouring the internet for D23 news, and I saw that pop up on, I think it was on the Reddit for D23 Expo, and I'm like, oh, I'm in on this, and so I basically kept an eye out for it, and so I have the quick version of the story is the night before D23 when press was allowed in and got to tour the booth. Uh, we still hadn't heard yet what like the price of the set was, if it was for sale, if they were giving stuff away, who knows what's going on. And I remember seeing a picture that one of the press took because not many people actually posted about it, but I saw a picture and it was a picture of like the set with the price, but only the 99 cents of the price. So like the 49 of the 49.99 was like, not there and i'm like just show the whole price why did someone take a picture without the whole price so i could plan ahead (laughs) but we did find out so that first day i got there like at open even though it took forever to get in because d23 and i'm going to say it now and you know you can fry me later about it but logistics at d23 is basically the worst of any convention i've been to um because they only run a convention every two years and it's the fan club running it they don't run conventions so there are some issues, but we'll leave that aside. So I got in like 40 minutes after open and got in line and got my two sets. And it was crazy. Just, you know, there, there was like excitement with the people in line talking to people and just being able to get them. And then, 
you know, like walking around with them all day. I'm like, I have two Lorcana sets. And I had to go to all the other things we had on our schedule for the day. And I didn't even get to do anything you know, much more than just carry them around essentially uh, for the rest of the day. Um, but then I'm like, okay, people are like, you know, you, you look on eBay and you see what they're going for immediately. And so you're like, okay, if I want more, which I wanted more, um, how do you go and get more the next day knowing it's going to be more popular? So I got there the next day at like 7 a.m., like hopefully before they, they, they move things around where you couldn't get into the building early. I made it in, made it downstairs and in, in, into the meat locker of Hall E below the convention and managed to get in. And it was a crazy rush to that line. And I got in line, like if you saw the video, it was like all the way down the wall from the booth to the back to the like from near the back of the convention center to the front uh, where we came in. It was so long and I got in line. And this is like my one of my favorite stories from the whole convention. I got in line and there was one of the Ravensburgers employees standing there just kind of like shuffling people into the line saying, yes, this is the line. Yes, this is the line, you know. And uh, the guy in front of me asked him a question about like, you know, something about the game. And, uh, and he, he, I think it was one of those non-committal answers. But I, then I asked him, I, I noticed on his lanyard, he had both of the pins, the Mickey pin and the purple Orkana pin, just the logo. And I'm like, how do you get that pin? And he reached into his pocket and pulled one out and handed it to me. What? Just, Are you serious? Just a random guy. Yes. Just a random guy standing in line, just asked him about it. And he's like, here you go. And I'm like, wow, thank you so much. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And then he walks away to do more line management or whatever. So later that day, guess what I found out? Those are for the media, right? Well, not, not that, but the guy who handed it to me, uh-huh. he was CEO. What? That was Philip Frankie? Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so yeah. cool. The CEO what? handed me a pin, just a random guy in line, and he was doing line management. Yeah, that is so crazy. He's just working in the line. How cool. Yep. Yes. I got goosebumps hearing that. Yeah. So it was, it was, I mean, it was like, first it was awesome getting it. I mean, it's, you know, it's over there in my prized possessions of Florcana stuff. And, um, and then, you know, go through and we're limited to one that day. And of course, you know, it's just crazy that day after the first day. I mean, it was just insane. And the thing is, is that it got exponentially more insane the third day. I got there at, I think it was a little before 5 a.m. the third day. And it was still super difficult to get in. I mean, there was a rush of people. And they this day, you know, on the third day, they were handing out wristbands because anyone who got a wristband, once they were in line, that was the only way you managed to get a set was if you got a wristband. So I got wristbanded. So I got lucky to get another one. I mean, I honestly, yes, I am very lucky to get the sets that I got. I know that. Um, and I'm very happy I got them. So, uh, just being there, there was an excitement. I mean, I met multiple people in line that we talked about it. There was people who were like, you know, obviously there was people that were there just to buy and resell. There were people there to collect. There were people there to just, you know, like get the next cool thing, you know, whatever it may be, there was all kinds of people, but everybody was there. We were having fun. We were chatting, uh, you know some of the guys I was in line with after we were done, we went over and bought some shirts from Roosevelt because we all wanted one of those new Grogu uh, Roosevelt shirts. I mean, it was just like really fun just hanging out with people talking about how, what, what, what could go on with this game. And D 23 was just a great experience. 
just for Lorcana. I mean, there was the whole other convention to do and all the panels and whatnot. And it was a great experience, which maybe we'll talk about it on a future podcast. But Lorcana itself was like the hit of the show kind of a thing. That is unbelievable. That It went from a little bit of interest to what was that you who posted that video of the line? No, no, that was, uh, that was, I think that was actually someone from, uh, from Ravensburger who posted that video. I actually yeah. found where I was standing in that line. That was a Sunday oh. line. That was super long. <laughs> okay. I found myself. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm behind that guy with the colorful <laughs> shirt. I remember that guy with the colorful shirt. <laughs> I remember that photo. Um, but it's unbelievable. And I think it caught Ravensburger unaware, which again, that's probably a podcast for another time. Uh, but the hype people who weren't uh, paying attention to Lorcana at the time, they don't really understand the level of hype that was surrounding this game. And it went from this like really, really high amounts of hype to nothing. Like it went from high to about as low as you can go. And this is what I was talking about earlier in the discord, where there was a group of us that would show up day in and day out and talk about it. But from September 11th, which is when D23 ended, until I, I'm a little fuzzy on the timeline, but let's say the end of November when the Lorcana social started being active again, there was pretty much nothing. I mean, there wasn't nothing. They were at a uh, Spiel game festival in Germany right. where they had a luncheon where they revealed the names of the colors of the inks, but there was no press there. If it weren't for a guy on Twitter, uh, shout out to yellow geek bear uh, posting the pictures online we would never have known about that and then they had yeah. an appearance at the luca comics and game festival in italy where uh, an employee ricardo fabiani talked about how there would be pre-release events in august and the game would be made available in october or september somewhere around there but other than that it was like pretty much nothing there was such a drought of information yeah, it was like every time this little bits of information like the inks came out, it was like on the Discord, it was like days of speculation. And I know what did the colors mean? And there was color theory posts and color theory uh, podcasts. And I mean, it was just every little bit of information was like just microscopically examined for whatever it could mean. And, you know, and it was it was fun trying to figure all of that out. But it's more fun getting things like new cards and the inks, uh, you know, the posts from the inks and all the different and the social media being, you know, the the team at, behind it, just like actually interacting with people and talking to people and posting stuff. It's just it's just it's definitely a better experience when they're uh, feeding the hype. Well, once that tripwire was set off, that allowed the person in Robinsberger to start or that team to start interacting with the people on socials. It's been nothing but amazing. That's been one of the things I've been most pleased with is how uh, interactive they've been with the community and how they've interacted. They've like responded to memes that I've posted. They've responded to negative comments in really positive ways. Um, I just think the person or the group of people behind the Lorcana social team has done an amazing job. Yes. And they've also replied many, many times to, uh, well, you'll find out in spring 2023 or <laughs> check back in 2023. And it is two days until 2023 as we're recording this. And I can't wait to see what the new year brings. 
This is true. I have my calendar marked for January 13th because it was on December 13th that somebody said, can we get an update on which conventions you'll be at? And they said, ask us in about a month. So you can be sure that on January 13th, I'm going to be posting any update. I'll, I'll probably have a screenshot of the tweet <laughs> and be like, hey, it's been a month. <laughs> like, all right, let's go. You said a month. And then they'll be like, uh, we said about a month. <laughs> but then do you remember when they released the dragon? Is it Dragon's Fire, the new card? Dragon's Fire, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when they released that card? Yes. There, I think Medina, the one who started the, Lur the Lorcana HQ Discord, he said there were over 100 people that joined the Discord that day. I mean, that didn't quite match the D23 buzz, but that was another time where things were just hopping. Yes. And, and it, yeah. And then just the, I mean, the surprise Olaf, which Olaf is one of my favorite characters. So I was so happy to see that. Um, and, but it was such a surprise, like to wake up the morning after Christmas and be like, there's a new card. They gave us a gift the day after Christmas. No teasers, just out of the <laughs> blue. Boom. Here's a new card. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And of course, with their, their patented uh, logo uh, covering any important bits and little uh, bits of smoke and whatever else they're doing to cover up things. <laughs> yeah. Well, my theory is they have been talking about that full gameplay will be revealed by spring of 2023. So that's not very long. Like that's a three month period. Well, three to six yes. months, I guess, depending on when you it's define spring. Now, if you, you have to combine that with the other tweet where they replied to someone who asked them, what do you consider spring? And they said spring is the second quarter, which is June, July, and August. So we can expect it, or whenever it was, April, May, June, right? Yeah. Was, oh, April, May, June. So it's going to yeah. be April, May, June. So everyone expecting it in March at a convention in March is probably not going to get it in March. But you never know. You never know. You never I'm know. holding out. I'm looking every day on the PAX East website for their vendor list. <laughs> I'm looking every day to see if Ravensburger is on there, but they haven't released the vendor list yet. But that doesn't mean I don't check. <laughs> right. Got to check in order to find out. I mean, as again, as, as a Comic-Con veteran, uh, refreshing websites and going to check on information and just looking for information is like a way of life. Uh, for for a comic con goer, so I don't understand it completely. I'm like, yeah, that's that's old hat for those of us going to comic con. You, you got to refresh. You got to have alerts set up, all kinds of stuff. I never realized how into something I could become. I was about to say obsessed, but that might sound <laughs> negative. It's okay. But it's fun. true. I've become obsessed with Lorcana. I mean, I've tried to use Twitter in the past. And I can never figure it out. I've told countless people, I don't know what the point of Twitter is, but since Lorcana has been released, I've been on there since September and I've already sent out, it was like 1.3 thousand tweets. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of sad. Um, yeah, I got, I got on Twitter in, I think it was 2008 uh, because of Felicia day and she was using it. And um that's a whole other story about my previous convention life and all the things I've done at the, at Comic-Con, but because of Felicia Day, who was in the guild and she's guest started a bunch of stuff and she does uh, geek and sundry and all kinds of things. Um, but she was on it. So we all, me and a bunch of friends logged in and, and joined it as well. And I've been on Twitter ever since. So 
it's 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 definitely a good thing for uh, focused uh, finding of information. Yeah, I agree. So New Year's, as you said, is two days away from us, and I wanted to do a little bit of some festivities here with some New Year's Eve predictions. Sorry, New Year's predictions. This is pure speculation, but I wanted to speculate about product, about gameplay, and about organized play um, as far as how we see things going next year. So let's start with product, and I'll go first. This is my big speculation, and we talked about this to no end on Discord and Twitter. So anybody who's there, this isn't going to be anything new. But my prediction is that when the game is released... We're going to get, so it was revealed that you can have two inks per deck. There's six inks total. Think about the colors in Magic the Gathering. And you can combine two of those in your deck. So my prediction is there's going to be three starter decks with two colors each. And uh, my other prediction is that there will be shelf space in the big box gaming stores dedicated to Lorcana. And I'm thinking, you know, like in Target, how they have the Cards Against Humanity hanging there. I think that we'll see uh, Lorconic cards hanging. It'll probably be in the Disney section, but maybe it'll be in the board game section. Those are my two predictions about product. I think those are both like have a high chance of happening. One, the starter decks of two colors because they want people to be able to have to be able to buy a deck and to figure out how to play the game with the two colors that is limited right off the bat. So a two color starter deck makes a lot of sense and having one for each, you know, of two colors, you don't want to put out too much variety because you want to, you don't want to, you know, flood the market with 10 different decks or whatever it may be. Or someone said there's like what, 21 different combinations there could be. Yeah. You know, 15 with different color combinations. Yeah, but the pushback so that I got was that two two colors are too complex for children to understand. And I responded with, well, you played the Star Wars Decipher game. That that was a very complex game. And I figured it out as a kid. I think our kids right. can, I, I don't think it's going to be that complex. No, it won't be that complex. I mean, they did say that the game will be simple to learn and uh, difficult to master. So I'm I'm definitely on you with on on, on your side with the, the two colors each for the three starter decks and uh, the shelf space in a big box gaming aisle. I think that actually I would go a step further. And one of my my uh, um, predictions is that Target will have something exclusive, like uh, you remember that I think you mentioned them when you bought the Decipher thing was that old two player box set where you could get two like playable decks. I had in, like, those a special box set. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to do something like that for Target because, or at least something slightly different because Target is a very good partner for Ravensburger and uh, they've done the Target exclusive editions of almost every villainous set that comes out now. So uh, I think that Target is going to get something special for Lorcana. It may not be right away, but they are definitely going to get something. So I, I'm expecting just the normal boosters and starters that we always expect from a trading card game and then something like that. I I don't know. I, I haven't thought about that, about Target getting an exclusive product. I could see a lot of people in the community being angry about that. But most people here in the United States, at least in Canada, have access to a Target. And I imagine internationally, 
uh, they would partner with somebody else. I could see that happening. It won't be anything, as they mentioned about not never making a mechanically unique card as a promo or special. I think it will be similar to that where it's going to be like the box itself and maybe something that comes with it. Like maybe it'll have, if there's some kind of token system that is needed for certain things, maybe they'll have special exclusive tokens that Mm. you can only get in the target box set. It's going to be something that is not essential to play the game, but is an add-on. So like the the villainous uh, expansions at Target, the one of the three game pieces is a slightly different color or a slightly different... um, like setup, like the Cruella de Vil was had little white dots for polka dots on it, and that was the only difference from the normal Cruella. It's just something really minor that just makes it unique and special for Target for them to say we have an exclusive. And I think they're going to do something like that. I like it. I like that prediction. Okay, next, let's talk about gameplay speculation. So I'm going to let you lead off on this one. Okay, so. Now, remember, this is coming from TCG newbies, so this is all <laughs> us right. listening to what other people are, at least for me, listening to what other people are saying and trying to determine what I think may be the, the route that they're going to take. And I think the, the simple to learn aspect will mean that whatever mana system or payment system, whatever it may be, ink system is going to be simple, easy to learn. Something like Marble Snap, where you get one energy more per turn every turn you take it's going to be i think that was the the ink pot theory was where each turn you get one more ink to play something like that something that is going to be easy to tell someone okay what turn is it it's turn three you get this much ink or you know you have an ink deck where you turn over a card every turn and then you have that much ink to spend and whatever color you happen to turn over is how much you have of that color and you have to have at least one color to play a card of that color something like that that's really easy to explain I think yep. that's what the mana system is going to be. Um, part of the description of the game is that you are an Illumineer who is challenging uh, another Illumineer to see who is the best at uh, generating glimmers and going on quests to earn lore. So I think quests will. I think quests will be cards. I don't. I mean, they don't have to be, but I think that there will be quest cards that then go into play in the center between you, and then you essentially fight over the quest to see who can complete the quest um and then those those lore symbols or pips or diamonds or whatever they are that are on the side of the cards that are either like one two three or four i think those are the win conditions where that's the points you get for completing the quest or you have to have so many pips on a quest card with your cards to win it so like if you play four characters that are two pips each and you have to have eight pips to win you win that quest yeah, I will say what what you say makes sense. I have a hard time committing to any specific theory because they all make sense to me. I could see any number of theories <laughs> yeah, I know, right? being true. Um I so this is gonna go back to what you said. They said that the gameplay was going to be simple, but uh one of the things I saw it was somebody on LinkedIn who had worked on the game and then they left Ravensburger for another job. And they're like, I'm so grateful for my time with Ravensburger to work on Lorcana. It's an easy game, but it has a twist. And I don't know why that's stayed with me, this idea of Lorcana having a twist. And I just think that this twist, I don't know what it's going to be. 
but I think it's going to be something unique that's not seen in the big three games. And it could be any number of things. Like it could be the quest cards like you're talking about. I don't know, but I I just kind of believe that it's going to be something that we haven't widely seen in in any other game. And maybe maybe there's nothing like that out there right now. Like there's been a bajillion card games out there. Um, so I don't know what has and hasn't been explored, but among the big three games, it's pretty well in the big three for those who don't know are Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, the game mechanics behind those three games are pretty well known. So I think that this twist is going to be something unique that's not seen in any of those games. I hope so. I want I want something slightly different. Like that sounds like it would be fun to have something unique to this game to where then people are like okay it's the next evolution of trading card games because after 30 years trading card games are most people are like well you know what a trading card game is when you get a trading card game it's you know you have a mana system you have cards that you need to put out and play you need to activate them and you need to beat your opponent right some way of making that even if it's slightly unique would be fun to have just something new to do in, and generate interest across the TCG spectrum and get, instead of it's like, oh, it's just Disney. You know, it's just Disney's magic. You know, we don't need yep. to play that. We already have magic, you know? Agreed. When, so when the, something, something fun. When the game was first announced, that's what so many people said. Oh, it's just Mickey the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Which, um, which I will play because obviously if I was at a comic store and we had magic and, you know, sold magic, you would think that I would, as a, as a person who's like likes games and is a super nerd, I would have played it, but I never got into magic. I just never did. So having Disney, I mean, they, they asked me at the booth when I was buying one of the sets, I think it was actually Ryan Miller who asked me after I bought it. And he was, I think, signing one of my cards. Um, he asked like, he's like, what are you most looking forward to? And I said, playing a game with all of my favorite characters. And just being able to, you know, and that's part of the, the, the aspect of it that really hooked me is like, as a huge Disney fan, I get to play with all these Disney characters instead of like, you know, random dragon, random cleric, random whatever. It's like, no, I get to play with Elsa and Robin Hood and Mickey, you know, and all that stuff. Yep. That aspect alone is going to guarantee that people are going to buy the game. Um, and if the game is halfway fun, and easy to understand people are going to be hooked so yeah and the 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 other thing that's going to hook them is i think what we're going to talk about next the organized play or organized play a lot of yes. i mean coming into trading card games new this is something that i've never done so it'll be interesting to see right i mean so that's something i wanted to talk about because you've never been to a competitive tournament you played with your friends when Magic first came out. I, uh, for about a three-month period, went to every week. We had a local tournament for My Hero Academia. And then I went to a couple of regional events. I went to one in Pasadena, California. And I went to one in Dallas, Texas. And it was awesome. Like The thing that I love about it is not only do you get to play the game, but I've made friends, you know? And I've traveled and my wife thinks I'm a huge nerd, but she likes traveling. Like she's not going to say no to that. I mean, (laughs) she hates that I'm playing a card game all weekend, 
but she's not angry about the fact that she gets to go to the beach. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, well, my wife is also a nerd, so she may not be playing the tournaments with me, but she will be there, especially if we're going to conventions, because she's a she likes taking photos uh, of panels and stuff. And so she will just go if there's like at a convention convention, she'll just go and do the convention stuff while I play the games. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. So here's my prediction, or this is my hope. Um, and I know that it probably won't come to pass in 2023 because the game doesn't release until the fall and it's hard to set up an organized structure for whatever. But I would like to see the local tournaments, but I'd also like to see that progression where there's the uh, regionals and state and national and worlds. I just like something about that hierarchy of competitiveness. And I fully acknowledge that it's likely I'll never reach the top echelons. Like I've tried, like when Super Smash Bros came out, I was like, you know, I'm going to try really hard to be good at this game. And I practiced and I watched YouTube videos and I did all, you know, all this practice. And then I started playing against people and I just got destroyed. So I just, maybe I don't have that edge, but I do enjoy going to these competitions. And if nothing else at these worlds and nationals that happen in other games, they have side events for people like me <laughs> who can still go and participate, be part of that zeitgeist. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's that's just it is going and being a part of a community event, which is what I hope is that they take and since Ryan Ryan Miller has already said that that's you know very important to him is is organized play. Um, I think that what I'm hoping they do is they just take the best bits of organized play from the other major games, the things that people really enjoy of those and just kind of mash it all together to the Lorcana version and that it's you know where everyone from the tournament from the local tournament all the way up can feel welcome to be there uh, that they can participate in and I'm sure that as a family game that they're going to have to have some kind of aspect even at the bigger tournaments where they have some kind of family type version of that tournament where, you know, kids can go and play. And I, they definitely need the different age groups like they do for Pokemon. So that kids Absolutely. Can feel, you know, feel welcome and not like, oh, look, I get to go up against this guy who's like mapped out every single card and knows like exactly what order to play every single card in to demolish you in three and a half seconds, you know? So those guys are intimidating. Um, <laughs> um, so I just, I just want it. I just want to be able to go as someone who's not, you know, a TCG veteran and, and feel welcome at an event, uh, which your story of how, you know, when you went to the Decipher one, you did not feel welcome, but when you went to the My Hero Academia one, you did. And I just want that experience, the second experience. Same here, same here. And I think it will be. If the community that's been established already is anything like the greater community, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. So with that, I want to transition into... Uh, a little surprise it's a game you've played jeopardy before right i have okay so i have on my computer a jeopardy board with five um five categories that's the word i'm looking for and for those of you who have never watched a jeopardy before uh there's five different categories and then there's five questions in each category 
And the question reveals the answer and the person who's answering has to give the, what the question would be. Did right. I get that right? Yes. Yeah. That is it. So this is Disney themed and I'm going to quiz you on one category. So there'll be five questions. I'm just going to choose a random category here. And the category I'm going to choose is which movie am I in? Okay. All right. And we're going to go just straight from 100 to 500. Okay. All right. We'll see how so I first, do. first clue. Uh, the character Sebastian appears in which Disney film? What is The Little Mermaid? Too easy. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. Okay, for 200. In what Disney film will you find the friends Todd and Copper? Oh, no. Todd and Copper? Todd and Copper and their friends. This is going to be sad if uh, everyone else yelling at uh, yelling at the screen right now, yelling at their their earphones. Why can't you get? I am drawing a complete <laughs> blank. They're animals and they're different species. Fox and what is the fox and the hound? Ding 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 ding. <laughs> nice. I haven't that's seen correct. that since it came out, so that's <laughs> probably why. Okay. Uh, so, what movie am I in for three hundred? In what Disney film would you find the mischievous duo Jack and Gus? Mischievous duo Jack and Gus. This is another one that I probably haven't seen in forever. All right. Either give me a hint or tell me what it is. Because I am drawing a blank again. Okay. In the movie, they sometimes refer to the character as Jack-Jack. Oh. So this would be, what is The Incredibles? Oh, I can see why you think that. No, it's, yeah. what is Cinderella? They're the two mice. Oh, right. You know what, it's I just saw of... this a few weeks ago too, but <laughs> this completely went over my head. It's one of those things where when you put on the spot, you're all stressed out about it. Oh, I can and now you. you and now you're like, oh man, I could have gotten those questions on Jeopardy watching from your couch. But now as soon as you're put on the spot, man, your brain just like goes <laughs> flying away. Oh man, so true. Okay, here we are. What movie am I in for 400? In which movie would you find the sisters Drizella and Anastasia? See, that's the same one. It's Cinderella. What is Cinderella? That is correct. I know. Odd that they have that two in a row. And here we go for, five, for 500. Figaro and Cleo are the pets in what Disney film? Uh, Figaro is what is Pinocchio? Ding, 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 ding. Good job. I, I would have struggled with that one. When I think so of Figaro. Helped, so what helped me with that is I play Disney Magic Kingdoms on my phone. Mm. And the Pinocchio uh, storyline was released like about a year or so ago, I think within the last year or two. And so I have a character on there, Figaro, and I remember that's from Pinocchio. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say you missed the one and struggled with another, but otherwise you did fantastic. So not too bad. Not next too bad. week, next week I'll let you quiz me. All right. <laughs> got it. We got to find some that are equally somehow difficult. <laughs> right. Okay. So with that, let's just talk about our tentative podcast schedule. And this is subject to change, but you and I talked about doing a, once a week or once every other week type of podcast. Yes. 
and I'm sure it will okay. uh, speed up as we get closer to release and there's more stuff to talk about. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm on board for talking about this every week. And I mean, we'll, we'll go on lots of tangents with conventions and, uh, and movies and shows and whatever else we want to talk about related to Lorcana, because I mean, it's as, as they've done with Lorcana, they've made it a world of where anything can happen and they can put anything into it. So just like yep. that, we can make the podcast anything that we can put into it, right? <laughs> That's right. So be on the lookout for that. Now that I have a co-host, I will plan on being more regular with putting out content. Uh, and I just wanted to end with a summary of the news that we have, which is not a lot. I would say the two pieces of news that we have are on Twitter, Lorcana said, we talked about this earlier, that within a month they would uh, reveal which conventions they'll be at. And then they also said by spring, the full game mechanics will be uh, revealed by spring of 2023. Is there anything that I missed? They sent their cards for proofing last week. So yeah, they the spent final... like the week, the week or so before Christmas, they said they spent an entire week proofing all the cards one final time. So I mean, everything's done, right? Everything's for the done. Yep. And that's a subject for another day, but <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a good spot to end on there. Uh, anything All else right. you'd like to add? Uh, no, I'm just uh, really glad to be here and I'm looking forward to talking to you every week, hopefully, and going forward and, and uh, playing games and seeing how it goes. Awesome. And if you as a listener liked what you heard, click like, subscribe and follow us on follow me on Twitter at Citizens of Lorcana. If they want to follow you, do you have any social media presence, James? I am everywhere at Dan Regal. Uh, you can also check out geekshotphoto.com for uh, social media links for myself and my wife and uh, lots of photography stuff because we take lots of pictures at conventions and other places we've gone. So if you're interested in seeing that, go check it out. And with that, we'll See you next time. All right. Thank you all. Uh, this has been great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Just a reminder, if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review. And we will see you real soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.